us for being good to us for um, just a new year where we can um, kind of reset if that's what we need to do in our life and uh, be able to make sure that we are focused on things that we need to be focused on and uh, really just uh, ready to to grab onto you this year. And I don't really look around the Passpoint class in particular and think that there's people that weren't doing that last year. But Lord, you've really uh, given me some things over the past uh, month or month and a half uh, as far as direction goes. And so, Lord, I do pray that the Passpoint class as a whole uh, would be ready for that and uh, that they would grab onto it and run with it, uh, that you would use the structure of the local New Testament church and uh, really get the gospel where it needs to go on time, use us as uh, just uh, good examples of you, whether we're working or uh, at church or with our families or anything that we do. I really do pray that uh, if this year nothing else happens in our life, that we are just uh, available for you and uh, that we are giving you the glory for all of it. Because too often in the culture we live in, we try to steal some of the glory for ourselves. We try to hide a little bit of it in our tent, and we try to uh, just take a little bit for ourselves. And I pray that if nothing else, we just give it all back to you this year, uh, because that's really what Romans 12, 1 or 2 says to do, uh, is to just start with giving our life to you, and uh, the rest of it is, you know, just the least we could do. And so, Lord, I do pray you speak to us today. Uh, just make the things that are in my mind kind of jumbled up and kind of somehow, somewhat scribbled down here uh, come out in a way that is uh, able to be grabbed a hold of and understood as I just kind of try to explain vision and And so, uh, Lord, I do pray that you get the glory. I do thank you for everything that's been going on with volleyball and all the outreach happening and the new people. And uh, to thank you for the the celebration of life that went on yesterday with Franny. And we know that she is uh, just... uh, she couldn't be happier to be in the presence of you. But we do pray for the families as they are uh, bereaved at the loss of her. And, uh, Lord, I just... uh, I do pray that you would just get the glory from our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. So... This is like the last sub, sub, I don't know how, how to even say this, uh, like subtopic that we're going to get to before we start really getting back on to topic. And what I mean by that is we started like, I don't know, a couple months ago saying, hey, we're going to get into Jonah, but then before we can get to Jonah, we need to do this other real quick study that just turned into a not real quick study on, you know, what I call family life. And then, uh, we took like a sub, uh, a, little, a little step away from that so we could do a little bit of a Christmas thing. Uh, and I told you a few weeks back that uh, we've had a couple weeks off for uh, the fifth Sunday and the Christmas Eve and whatnot. And uh, what I really want to talk about today uh, is uh, vision. I don't really have a catchy title. A lot of times I try to at least come up with something. Uh, but basically, this isn't like a vision update, uh, mostly because I'm not a visionary. I'm not Pastor Brian. Uh, he can he can give you vision as far as all that. But uh, what this really is is, if you want a title, it's the 2024, the, the Passpoint Vision. And so what I've really been praying about over the last couple of years, and if you remember about a month ago, we actually took a Sunday and talked about planning. And I encouraged you all to do some like legitimate planning in your families. Get yourself some goals for the new year, uh, all the different things. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to go back and listen to that because it really is good to start the new year. Not that anything is like special about 24 compared to 23, but it's just kind of like a fresh slate. And I do encourage you to make sure that you have goals, that you have vision, you know where you're going and all those things. But in all of that, you know, I I do a lot of that. Um, I didn't used to, but I do a lot of uh, planning type stuff and try to make sure that our family knows the direction we're going, where we're going in our marriage, where we're going, you know, as a class um, and just all of those things where, where, you know, we're trying to get to as a business because Paige and I run a business and all those things. And they all have their own, you know, like compartments and they sometimes overlap a little bit. But for the most part... 
I really have been praying a lot about Passpoint, and uh, here's kind of why. I really feel like God is like getting some traction, um, and I don't just mean a little bit. And I'm not just saying that as uh, the preacher man or you know the teacher guy. And like, I really feel like uh, there's there's some traction, and I think that things are getting ready to blow up. And I don't mean in a bad way. Uh, I've seen kind of like what this looks like before. Uh, several years ago, HBF was at this point, and uh, things just took off. And I want to make sure that we as a class are ready for that, because if we're not ready for it, then when we start having an influx of people you miss the first wave of it before you realize what happens. And what I mean by that is you start seeing these new people, and then by the time we we all look around and say, hey, look, there's a bunch of new people, we've missed the boat on our uh, first outreach to them. Our first touch is what Brian calls it. I know that you guys laugh at that because he calls it first touch and continual touch, but it's the way that we as pastors make sure that we're not letting anybody fall through the cracks, right? Now, there probably could be a better way to say it other than touch, but anyway, it's just that's what, that's what we call it. So anyway... I want to make sure that we as a class are ready for that because I don't want anybody to fall through the cracks. If anybody's coming to HBF, it's because God has put it on their heart to be at HBF. And I want to make sure... What? <laughs> Shove something under it, man. Uh, make sure make sure that we are ready for that. And not only ready for that, but uh, I think God's got some huge... Uh, growth opportunities for us individually who are already in here and i just feel like that there is uh, a lot getting ready to happen and so with that that's kind of been my prayer to god is okay how do you want us to be ready what do you want us to be doing i don't want to be the guy who waits for something to break or uh, to fix it or waits for something to be wrong before we address it and so that was kind of my my prayer like what do you want from me, God, and what do you want from the Passpoint class? Because it's my job to somehow try to get you guys to rally behind me. Because honestly, uh, I can be called the Passpoint leader all I want, but if nobody's following me, I'm not really leading anybody. I'm just taking a walk, right? And so I have to find a way to make sure that you guys grab onto it. And so I really do pray, and I've been praying specifically uh, for each and every one of you um, by name, that you would buy into this, because I really feel like God's going to do something. And honestly, I don't mean to be like... I don't know the word I'm looking for, but uh, I don't want to be too calloused about it. But if you're not buying in, you're probably not going to stick around too long because you're going to get tired of hearing about it and you're going to get tired uh, of skipping out on it and all of that. And so and I'm OK with that, not because I want people to leave, but because I want what we're doing here in Passpoint uh, to really line up with what Brian's doing at HBF. And uh, I really feel like there's something getting ready to happen. And so anyway, so why worry about a plan? We're talking about planning, and uh, I'll give you a couple of verses of why you should worry about a plan. Proverbs 29, 18, you've heard this verse a lot of times, but it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. If we don't have a vision, you guys are starving to death. You are, you're perishing. But then it says later in that verse, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, I'm not the giver of the law. I'm not Moses. I'm not God, but I am the guy who uh, hears from God from the book because I'm praying specifically for it. And I'm laying out the vision to you. And so if you want to consider that the law, then that's fine. And basically what that means is I look at that verse is he that buys into what we're going to do. Happy is he. Right. Because God's going to do something with it. Um, You know, because without a plan, there is no hope. There's just not flip over to Ecclesiastes. We're going to do a little bit of flipping around today. uh, And that's okay. Um, I don't usually do a lot of that. But Ecclesiastes, um, I really want to get through this today. So I'm going to try to move quickly. 
I'm not already setting myself up for not getting through it like you guys feel like I do sometimes and giving myself an out, but uh, this is really important, what we're going to talk about today. And you might not feel like it, but like it's really important that we know where we're going. Um, so, okay, uh, let me find Ecclesiastes in my Bible. Uh, holy smokes. What? It's really, I actually wanted to teach, yeah, I really wanted to teach Ecclesiastes when I switched over to Jonah and God was like, not yet, because there's some good stuff in here. But anyway, uh, why why do we want to plan? Because without it, there's no hope. Start in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And this is kind of what happens. It says, the words of the preacher, and we understand the book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Uh, at least that's what most scholars or uh, people who have been taught would agree on. Uh, so anyway, when it says the preacher, the son of David, a king in Jerusalem, vanities of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanities of vanities, all is vanity. That's what a lot of people's outlook on life is. It's just, it is what it is, right? It's just life. It's just work. It's just family. It's just church. It's just another thing, right? And a lot of people, they just have that outlook on life. They're like, you know, we have good days, we have bad days. You know, I'm just hoping that in the end it all works out. And it's not that, like that you're not saved, because, yeah, that's, that's what a lot of lost people think. But there's also a lot of Christians that feel like that, too. That it's just like, okay, well, I'm just going about it. But it's like, does it really matter what I do? Do I really have that much of an impact on what God is doing in the world? And you kind of have that outlook like, it's just all vanity, it says, what profit hath man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? Now, that phrase under the sun is in Ecclesiastes over and over and over again. It's a good study for a different day. Um, but basically, it says, what profit hath a man in all his labor? Why do I need to get in the ministry? Why should I be? Why do I even care? Right. Why is it even that important? Why can't I just show up at church, do the things, you know, go to work and just get by. Why Why can't I, right? Maybe we'll do something fun every now and then. Maybe we'll, you know, have some good food. Maybe, you know, my marriage will be pretty good. Maybe, but it's just like, you know, I'm just getting by, right? And he's just like, what profit is there? One generation passeth away, another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. And that's kind of the outlook of a lot of people, even Christian people in life. I'm just here it really doesn't matter what I do because my kids are going to come up after me and their kids after them. And I'm just basically filling a spot in the universe for the time that I have here. And I might as well try my best to be happy and, you know, maybe make some relationships along the way. A lot of people would say that's not really that bad of an outlook on life. At least I'm not like all Debbie Downer and, you know, I'm, I'm just getting by. Somebody who doesn't have a plan, somebody who doesn't have a vision, that's the life they live. They don't know where they're going. They're just getting by, right? They're just living off, you know, and a lot of people, they say, I don't need a plan. I just react. I just do things. And I live my life like that for a lot of years, right? Ask Paige. She just hung on for dear life. I'm just, I'm just hanging on. Hopefully he doesn't go too crazy. Hopefully God works it out. But when you have a plan and when you know where you're going and you know why you're going there and you know where the purpose is behind it, you get up every day fired up, right? It gives you the ability to get out of bed when your alarm goes off at 4 or 4.30 or whatever time your alarm goes off so you can make sure that you get in the Word. So you make sure you've got time with Jesus. So you make sure that you have time, you know, just that quiet time. You make sure because you know where you're going. You know where you're headed. You know God is using you. You know something's going on. People ask, why do we plan? Why do we care? That's why. Because I don't want to live a life like that. And I don't want to lead a class of people 
that's just like, well, we're getting by. I'm teaching on Sundays. You know, there's several people that are coming. You know, it's, the, the, their lives aren't falling apart, so we must be doing okay. I'm tired of that. Not that that's like was the goal before, but I'm just tired of the getting by. I really feel like God's getting ready to do something, and I want to be a part of it. And I hope that you guys do too. And I don't just say that because it's the first of the year and I'm trying to fire you up. It really isn't that at all. I am like ready. There's been a lot of years that Brian has given vision. And I'll just be completely honest with you. And I'm like, he's like, I'm ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. And, then, and I'm just like, I'm the realist in the room. You can't do that, man. Like, there's only so many people. We can't reach the world. We can reach some people in the world. Like, I was that guy, you know, trying to be the realist. I'm bought in. Because I really feel like if we're not, then what's the point? And that's just where I'm at. And so, okay. So before we get to where we're going, uh, before we get to the plan for the year, or I don't know if you want to call it a plan, but the, what we're doing, uh, let's, let's look at how we got here. Because I want to make sure that we know how we got to where we're at. Um, and so just real quick, what does pass point even mean? Most people in here could tell you, like, Pass point means this or whatever. But just real quick, in case you don't know, and in case you've never actually heard me tell you why we are what we are, I didn't come up with this. Um, uh, the the guy before me did, but I wasn't about to change it. Flip over to John chapter 6. I want to make sure we know how we got here. John chapter 6. I'll go quickly through this because you've heard this before probably, but if not, I want to make sure. Um, John chapter 6, start in verse 60. I'll give you a second to get there. Because I actually want you to see this. John chapter 6 and verse 60. Jesus has been teaching. He's been uh, doing his thing. Disciples are following him around. All this is going on. And he basically uh, had just gave like this parable, or not even a parable, but he was teaching. And he's like, you know, except you uh, eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. And he kind of goes through that whole thing, but that's not just that's where we came from. And then in verse 60. It says, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Now, when we're talking about his disciples, we're talking about the 12 here. This isn't just the larger group. We're talking about the 12 disciples, his closest of close. And they're hearing him teach this. And within themselves, they're like, what is he even talking about? How does that even make sense? Like, I don't I don't think I'm tracking with him. You know, it's like Brian getting up there saying, hey, we're going to go here and here and here and we're going to do it all by faith. And and I'm like the disciples. I'm like, how is that even going to work? Right. And so they're just like, what is what is he talking about? When they heard this, they, this is a hard thing. Who can hear it? And when Jesus knew in himself, because that's what God does, he knows your thoughts before uh, you even say them, in case you were wondering, uh, that his disciples murmured it. He said unto them, doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are the spirit, but they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning uh, who, who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And, uh, and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except, he were, uh, except it were given him of my father. Okay, so he said all this. Basically, they're just trying to figure it all. In verse 66, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They're just like, I don't know that I can buy into this. I don't know that I'm all in. I don't know that I'm I'm at that level, basically. And then he says, uh, then uh, said Jesus unto the twelve. So some of the other uh, followers had left, but he says to the twelve, will you also go away? 
Then Simon Peter answered him. Now, Peter usually always has an answer. Most of the time, it's out of place. Uh, it's spoken at the wrong time. Um, it's an opinion that he probably should have thought through before he said it. But this time, he says just the right thing at just the right time. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe that uh, and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is the devil? And he's talking about Judas Iscariot. So, past point comes from that passage right there. Because the disciples at that point in their life, they were past the point of no return. They were past the point of being able to go back to the old them. They had bought the field so much. That's Brian's, that's, you're going to hear about that here in just about 45 minutes. Uh, the phrase for this year is purchase the field at HBF. That's where we're at. Purchase the field. And Brian will tell you all about that. We're not talking about literal fields, uh, but we're talking about like buying the ministry. Anyway, so that's where we're going. Uh, but anyway, the disciples are at a point in their life where they're like, I can't go back. I wouldn't even know how to go back to the old me, even if I tried. I'm past the point of that. I can't go there anymore. So all I have to do is to cling to you, Jesus, and follow you. Because going back isn't an option anymore. I'm past that point. So now, looking forward, I'm terrified because I understand that that's a whole lot of walking by faith. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cling to you because you're all I've got. That's what past point's all about. That's what. That's why we do what we do, because I can't go back. And I assume that most of you guys are in the same boat. I couldn't go back to who I was before even if I tried. I just couldn't do it, right? And so that's where we're at. So that's that's how we got here. That's how uh, we ended up where we're at, okay? And so uh, our goal was to be past the point of no return for Christ. So uh, again, talking about how we got here, how we got to, I kind of alluded to this this morning, but uh, a couple years ago, uh, I talked through the book of Romans, right? And I told you it wasn't going to take that long, and it took a long time, because I always tell you stuff's not going to take very long, and it ends up taking a lot longer than it did. But teaching through Romans was really good because I wanted to make sure that foundationally, because the book of Romans is, you know, the righteousness of God revealed, right? It is, uh, if you had one book to explain Christianity to somebody, you better take them to the book of Romans. You're going to get the most black and white doctrine for the New Testament church out of the book of Romans, right? And so that's why I went there. And so if you missed that, it's all available on the uh, the podcast or the website or whatever. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that because I wanted to make sure we were all on a level playing field. Okay, I want to make sure everybody knows the basics of the basics of doctrine. And there was some deeper stuff in there too. We talked about spiritual gifts. We talked about, you know, all, all of everything that was in Romans. But anyway, uh, I wanted to make sure that we were we were all on a level playing field, right? And so from there, I was really praying about where do we go now god and it was clear to me not because you guys are a class full of uh carnal christians but we live in a day full of churches full of carnal christians and i'm like we need to roll into first corinthians because the book of first corinthians is a book that basically is the apostle paul writing to a church that was holding on to the faith, but they were wavering for some false teaching from some different things. And I wanted to make sure that that's not what happened to us. We had just come out of the book of Romans and we had a pretty good handle on doctrine. And so I wanted to make sure that we kind of saw the warning of what could happen if we wavered. Because if you waver from your first love, which is Christ, then you start to, your eyes start to stray and your life starts to stray. And so I was like, so there's, I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of insight as the, there's a little bit of thought process behind what I teach. Right. And God is leading. And so it's not just like, oh, this is the next book. So let's just go there. Right. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that because we had a foundational doctrine in the book of Romans, I, you knew what could happen. 
with the book of First Corinthians. And so we went through that. And I honestly, the entire time I was teaching through First Corinthians, had told myself, I'll probably, I didn't tell anybody this, but I'll probably roll right into Second Corinthians. Because after you teach First Corinthians, you kind of come out of a Debbie Downer-like because the Apostle Paul was really like nailing down on him for all the things. But then he writes the book of Second Corinthians because they got it figured out. And it's like the, the rejoicing letter of all of the, their, their, their victories through all of that. And so that was my goal the entire time. I didn't want to leave you all with like a, wow, that really was not cool. But God completely turned the tide and he led me to the book of Jonah. And so now we're getting a little closer to where we're at right now. And so uh, I wanted to go to the book of Jonah. And if you'll remember the day that I did the overview, I told you that it was for one reason that we were in the book of Jonah. And it was one question that you needed to ask yourself over and over and over again. Does anybody know what it was? What does God want me to do? Right? God goes to Jonah. He's like, hey, I want you to go and preach to the city. And Jonah's like, ah, how about no? Right? And so then he runs and then God's like, uh, okay, well, I'm glad that you didn't listen. Let me just take care of this for you. Uh, you know, Whale swallows him up, you know, in chapter two, he basically repents of his wrongdoing and God's like, okay, I'll give you another chance. The whale spits him out on the beach. And so anyway, the whole thing, but the whole point was, okay, we came out of having this foundational doctrine in our life. Not that you guys didn't know, but I wanted to make sure we were all on a level playing field. And we came through what could happen if we weren't, you know, having our head on a swivel with first Corinthians. And so now it was like, now that we know we've got this doctrine and we know where we're going, what are we going to do with it? Like, what is it that God's telling us to do? And so that was the whole point. Like, now it's going to get personal. It's not just doctrine anymore, and it's not just what could happen, but now it's going to get really personal. And so it's like, okay, we're going to roll into Jonah, and we still are. We're going to get there. And it's going to nail down to like, okay, what about my life? Not just the, the overall Christianity, but what about my life? What is God telling me to do? What do I need to be about all this? Okay, and so we, we're going to do that. But before we could get there, I'm like, I want to make sure, again, this is just me thinking and God leading, that everybody has a really good handle on the basic things that God is telling us to do in our life. And so we're walking through, and we'll get back to it next week, or probably the week after, because I'm not going to get done today, Next or the next two weeks, uh, we're going to get back into the family life study. And it's just the basics of what is it that God told me to do. And we went through a few points of that, right? What is it that God has told me to do as far as following God is concerned, right? We looked at that already. What is it that God has told me to do about being a spouse if we're married? And if not, if we're not married, the things that go into looking for a spouse or uh, living the single life, okay? And so that's what we're doing. What has God told me to do about those things? And then we're going to look at what has God told me to do about raising children? Did we get to that one yet? Okay, yeah. Anyway, I just taught the child training class, so it's, some of it's in there. Uh, what has God told me to do about uh, being a minister at the church? What has God told me to do as far as social life goes, you know, just with people around? And so anyway, there, there were six topics, and we're going to look at all of those. So you know 100% this is what God is telling the Christians, his followers, to do. Okay, and then we're going to take that, and we're going to roll right back into the book of Jonah, and you're going to be able to apply that to your life as we walk through that book, okay? So that's where we're going, and that's kind of how we're going to get there. So that's how the teaching part goes into it, right? So Jonah, uh, you know, I've been diligently asking God, what do you want me to do? Like, that was my prayer a month ago, a month and a half ago. Okay, God, we're getting towards the end of the year. What do you want me to do as far as not just my life, not just my marriage, not just, but as far as past point goes? Because I want to make sure that I am leading uh, these people the way that you want them to. 
right? I want to make sure that I'm not the reason that somebody veers off. I'm not the reason that somebody isn't equipped. And so I'm asking God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to be? Right? What is it that you want to do with us? And, and how do I get that across? I've really been asking that. And I, I've told you, you know, he, he gave me two distinct answers. Right? Two distinct answers. And I'll tell you what they are, and we might get through kind of one of them. But I'll tell you what they are. The first answer, answer was, everyone be, and I'll tell you what that means, everyone be. And the second one was everyone bring. Like those were the two things, and I'll tell you what they mean. That was kind of my way of like putting something kind of catchy to it to grab a hold of. But that that was his answers. Everyone be and everyone bring. And I'll explain what these mean in a minute. But I alluded to this early on when I when we started today. And I want to make sure you guys are on board with what I'm saying when I say that. I truly believe that time is short. Right? I've heard Brian say this since I've been at HBF. You know, the rapture is imminent, time is short, and, and again, I've been the, the skeptic and I'm like, okay, I'm just trying to like make sure that I'm doing my life right, I'm trying to make sure that I'm doing my family right, and if it happens, it happens. And the more I learn about this book, the more I see what's going on in the world, and you might be like, what are you talking about? Uh, I'm able to piece what's happening in this book with the actual events that you can turn the news on, or you can open your news app and read about I'm convinced that time is short and we're in the, I'm not going to say the last days because I don't know. Um, but we're in the final leg of the race. And when I say that, like, uh, we're not sprinting here. This is like a, an endurance run. Uh, you can talk to Ellie about cross country because she's a cross country, cross country coach. And, you know, you have to mentally prepare for all the phases of a race. And we are in the final leg of this race. The rapture is imminent. I mean, it could happen at any point. And you really have to start asking yourself, am I ready for that? Now, yeah, okay, I'm born again, I'm saved, I'm going to be with Christ, but do you know what that means? Yeah, it means I'm going to be with Jesus. No, but do do you know what that means? Um, Once we get raptured out of here, yeah, we are in the presence of Jesus. We get our glorified bodies, you know, come into D2 and we can talk about all of how all that plays out. But do you understand that the first thing that happens... Even before you get your glorified body, the first thing that happens, like in that time frame, is the judgment seat of Christ. Now, yes, you're saved. You don't go to the great white throne, great white throne judgment. Hallelujah to you. You don't have to do that. That's a Brian saying. Wow, just came right out. Uh, <laughs> I try not to do that, but man, uh, I, I don't have to answer for my sin. Praise the Lord. Christ's blood took care of that. But do you understand? They're like, yeah, you hear people say all the time, "I'm ready for the rapture." This, that. are you? Because the first thing that happens is you stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you understand what happens there. You answer for everything that you did with the time that God gave you from the day you got saved till the day that you either died or got raptured out. Are you ready for that conversation? Uh, Are you ready to stand there and say, yeah, Jesus, I feel like I did everything I could. Now, some of us might be like, well, I'm already screwed because I've wasted so many. Okay, so you better make sure that you, you you make up for lost time now. You know, you better make sure that your shoes are on fire as far as like getting something done because I don't want to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and have to be like, yeah, you're right. I really should have done more. You did give me all this time. You did give me opportunities to do this and you did give me opportunities to disciple and I just didn't do it. You gave me opportunities and I'm not ready for that. 
I know it's coming and it's coming fast. I don't know that I'm ready for that. And so I want to make sure that I am just on fire until then. So if we believe that the rapture is coming and you better believe it, because even if it doesn't come, you're no more than about 70 or 80 years away from that anyway, because, you know, the clock's ticking on us all. I'm just saying, I used to think that I was the youngest in everything. And all of a sudden I look around and I'm not even more close to the youngest at anything. It's just not. And so I'm telling you, even if you don't think that the rapture's coming, uh, the end of your life is ticking away very quickly. And you can not believe the rapture all you want. Tell me you don't believe that you're going to die. And that's a different story. Are you ready for that? And so that's where I'm kind of getting some of the fire behind where I'm coming from, because you better believe that it's coming. So with that in mind, what do we what do we need to be doing and how do we need to be doing it? Because that's what I'm asking Jesus. What do we need to be doing and how do I need to be doing it? I believe that things are getting ready to take off at HBF. I really do. And it's not that... I'll, I'll say this before I even get to the point I'm not going to get to today. Uh, that'll be next week. Um, but I'll get through the first point. Does that mean our homework's not due for another week? Sure. For what homework? I'm your friend. Yeah, no, I think I remember it now. To go through the ten points that apply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? No, it's all good. No, it's good. Uh, that, that was a few weeks back. Man, I've done, I've done, forgot about it. Okay. Meredith had her son before the next Sunday. Okay, uh, but that's what I'm asking. I'm asking Jesus. I'm like, okay. I really believe this is happening. And I, I, I told you, I'll, I'll say this first. I don't care how big HBF gets. I honestly, if you want my personal opinion, other than the fact that I want the kingdom of God to magnify, I don't want HBF to become this massive mega church. Because then it's just like a whole new, like, layers of, this is me and my flesh, meetings and all of the things that go into it. And if, if it's Jesus will, then by all means do it. But that's not why I say all this. That's not where I, when like, as I'm teaching through this and where I'm headed, it has nothing to do with numbers. It has everything to do with, I want people to get serious about Jesus Christ. Because the lost world isn't serious about Christ at all. We all know that. That's pretty simple, right? I think we all know that the lost world is full of a bunch of lost people who don't care. But I'm even more convicted about the majority of Christians who aren't really concerned about what Jesus is doing in their life or anybody else's life. They've got their get into heaven free ticket and they're just like, I'm just living out my days. Vanity is vanity. We talked about that to get from the get-go. And so, I'm really burdened about that. And I'm not talking about you all in past point because you're here on a Sunday morning at 9.30 because we don't start at 9. (laughs) And you guys are here. You're not skipping out on ABFs. But even at HBF, there's a lot of people who are disconnected. They come to church once or twice a month. And when I say church, I mean they come to main service once or twice a month. And I don't know them personally, but I'm guessing that their mindset is I'm doing enough to get by to make sure that I'm not on the wrong side of, of Jesus. And that's totally messed up thinking, right? And so that's what I'm burdened about. I'm, I'm burdened about the people who are in this building that aren't fired up, let alone the lost world. And so, you know, this is where I'm, this is where I'm, I'm headed. Okay. So with all that in mind, what do we need to be doing and how do we need to be doing it? Okay. So the first one, 
everyone be. First Corinthians chapter three. We're only going to get through this one. There's no way that I can get to the second point because the second point is what I really want you guys to be burdened for. You need to be burdened for this because, well, Jesus calls you to be. But uh, the second one, we're going to have to get in next week. And I will say this. I'm really glad you're here today. You better make sure you're here next week. And you better look around and say, I wonder where they're at today. And you better tell them you got to be there next week because like, there's some for real stuff going down. And like, so if there's somebody in here that you're looking around and like, man, I wonder where they're at this week. Tell them that like, hey, make sure you get on and you listen to what we taught today and you have to be there next week because like it's, it's for real. Okay. So first Corinthians, uh, chapter three. So the first one, everyone be. It's really weird not having a clock. Okay. First Corinthians chapter three, starting verse nine. I'm going to read through this and I'll tell you kind of what I'm, what I mean by this, uh, first Corinthians chapter nine or first Corinthians chapter three in verse nine. Okay. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You understand that? In, in the grand scheme of things, we are the body of Christ, right? We are the living thing that does the work of Christ. The, the church is what does that. And it's not actually the building, but it's the people inside the building that reach out and because that's what he's talking about. We are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, this is Paul talking, as a wise master builder, meaning uh, I know a few things about what Christianity is doing. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Now he's talking to you. Now he's talking to the church. He's like, okay, I've laid some foundational doctrine here. Jesus laid the foundation. I have built on that. There's been some other guys who have come in and done some teaching. But now here's the deal. It's starting to become on you. Let every man take heed, meaning better be paying attention to what you're doing, how he buildeth thereon, thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You can try to go opposite it. It's not going to work. Now, if any man build upon this house gold, silver, precious stones, those are good things, right? They all represent things we're talking about, you know, the souls of men, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you can do your own side study on, you know, the gold, silver, precious stones, how they tie into the souls of men and all. Okay. But you can also build upon this wood, hay, and stubble. Your work in the ministry could be wood, hay, and stubble. Your work in your marriage or your kids' lives or whatever it is that you're doing could be wood, hay, and stubble. And you might be like, well, it's something. Well, guess what? When it comes to the judgment seat of Christ, we talked about this, and he says, hey, what exactly were you doing with your time? And he's, he puts the, a fire to this thing. Is it going to actually hold its weight? You can have really big pieces of wood. You put them in a hot on the fire, you know what happens to them? They gone. You put gold in there, you know what happens to it? Nothing. It, it, there is no diminishing of it, right? It might look different, but it, it doesn't go away. That's what we're talking about. Gold, silver, precious stones. Your work. Verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Talking about the judgment seat of Christ. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Verse 16. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that God's Spirit, er, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? What he's trying to say is like, do we not understand that what we're doing as Christians actually means something? 
that what we're doing in the body of Christ isn't just vanity of vanities, all is vanity, just getting by. Don't you understand that everything that you do will be played out in eternity? Like, not only in the lives of the people that you touch, in the lives of the people that you disciple and minister to, but it's played out in eternity because based on what you do with your life, that's what your glorified body looks like. Your glorified body in eternity forever. There is no like adding badges to it. There is no like adding patches to it. There isn't like, you know, when a football player makes a good play and they put stickers on their helmet. What you get is what you get at the judgment seat of Christ. Once that whole thing is played out, there is no more adding to it. So you better be serious about it right now because your glorified body is what it is once you get there. Once he lights this thing on fire and he finds out what was actually meaningful and what was a bunch of crap. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, but what was just completely meaningless and you were just going through the motions and you were just there because you had to be. And your glorified body is all based upon that, right? Now I understand we get crowns for those things and we give Jesus those crowns back, but you know, we talk about all that stuff in D2, but your glorified body, shouldn't that fire you up? Shouldn't that make you like think, oh, yeah, it probably is worth getting up in the morning to make sure that I know what the Bible says. It probably is worth talking to that person that I know the Spirit of God is, you know, saying, hey, you probably ought to talk to them. You know, maybe it is worth saving a little bit of money and going on that mission trip. Maybe it is worth you fill in the blank. I'm not here to like be the Holy Spirit for you, but like maybe it is worth buying into what Christ is trying to do in your life through the, through the ministry at HBF. This isn't just a freaking church in a, in a cow pasture. God is doing something. And too many people are like, yeah, I, I, know, I made it to church you know, a couple times this month. What are we doing? And so, if you're like me and, and you're asking God, what did you tell me to do? Because that's what we're going to be asking yourself. You're going to get tired of me. You're going to get tired of hearing me ask you that question. What is God telling me to do? What is, it starts with being what God has called you to be. It starts with being whatever it is and whoever it is that God has called you to be. If He wants you to be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, if He wants you to grow in the ministry, if He's wanting you to grow uh, in, in your humility, if He's wanting you to... Any of the things, whatever it is that God is calling you to do, and you're like, God, what are you telling me to do? It starts with you just simply being what He wants you to be. It doesn't matter what you do... Are you who He wants you to be? Because if you're not who He wants you to be, it doesn't matter what you do. It's all going to burn. I, and I, I said it. Like, I mean it. You can go on all the mission trips in the world. You can do all the things that, quote-unquote, look right from the outside. If you on the inside are all ate up with pride and you know discontentment and, and all of the things that we know we shouldn't have but you're doing the right things, all those things are going to burn. You have to be who God wants you to be first. Now, I'm not saying that like if you lead somebody to Christ and the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that like, that's all going to burn, but what I'm saying is your works done in the flesh are pointless. Okay? Are you who God wants you to be? Because it has to start there. If everyone will play their role, if everyone will, quote-unquote, answer their call, Right? I'm not saying the same ministry for everybody, whatever it is. If everyone will purchase their field, Brian, that's going to be Brian's like rallying call this year. Purchase the field. Right? Buy into it. The kingdom of God will grow. It just by default it will. If you are doing what you know you need to do and you stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and you just do you 
And then they are the same thing. And they're just being who they need to be. And they're doing what they need to do. And the next person, they're just bought in. And, you know, our marriage, we're going to do what we know God's telling us to do. And, and you guys, it, if everyone would just buy into that, the kingdom of God's going to explode around here. It just will. By default. Really without us even trying. If you're just being what God wants you to be. Everyone be what God has called them to be. You have to start there. You have to start there. And next week, we'll circle back around because this is where my heart... So that's... You have to start there, okay? If you're not being what God has told you to be, then the next point really doesn't matter. But I feel like most of you guys are are there. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm bought in. You know, teach me the book of Jonah. I want to do what God wants me to do, right? Okay, so God has given me something very tangible that we can do as a class moving forward throughout the year. So that's everyone bring. But everyone be... And next week we'll talk about everyone bring because that's where, and make sure, for real, if somebody's like not here, not yet, make sure you're there next week. It'll be worth it. Because God has given me some some vision and I want to make sure that everybody's bought into it. So with that, let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for vision, Lord, because uh, without you, I I would perish. Uh, Without your vision, I have nothing really for anybody. But I do thank you for uh, just impressing things on my heart. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would uh, use these things to convict us, to try us. And, Lord, I do pray that uh, you know everybody from Past Point would be here next week so we could really buy into what you're doing in our lives and that we would be serious about it and ready to just really be ready because something's happening, Lord, and it's bigger than us. So, Lord, I pray you send us out this week as lights in a dark world, that we would evaluate our lives, be more like you, uh, and be who you called us to be. And next week, that you would just give clear vision on everyone bringing, uh, and that you would get the glory for all of it. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.